This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. Your radio doctor does not recommend or endorse any specific tests, physicians, products, procedures, opinions, or other information that may be mentioned on your radio doctor. Always consult your own physician. Today's program has been pre-recorded. When Recovery Centers of America at Devon opened its campuses on the main line and in South Jersey, they offered a new approach, local addiction treatment led by an expert, caring team of professionals. RCA has since helped thousands and leads the way in innovative programs and exceptional inpatient and outpatient care, all in a beautiful setting that allows for healing and recovery. RCA answers the phone and admits patients 24-7, 365, including the holidays. All admitted patients and staff are routinely tested for COVID-19. Call now at 1-888-RECOVERY. That's 1-888-RECOVERY. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. A radio.com station. It's time for the Delaware Valley's first radio doctor. On call every Sunday morning at 10. This is Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross. Listen, seven months or ten months is an absolutely exceptional, exceptionally short time frame to produce this vaccine. Your health determines your life, your longevity, and your happiness. Let your radio doctor lead the way with your medical education. Your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie. Good morning on this beautiful Sunday in March, Trisomy Awareness Month. What is trisomy? While most people have 23 pairs of chromosomes, some have a condition that causes extra or full chromosomes in their cells. Those extra chromosomes can cause a range of health problems, learning difficulties, as well as delays in physical development. There are different forms of trisomy, but the one you're most familiar with is trisomy 21 or Down syndrome. Here today are three guests. Each one has a remarkable story to share. Each is a devoted mother who adores her children. Each of them has a child with Down syndrome. Dr. Mary Stevens, a family medicine physician who devotes her practice to caring for teens and adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Katie Keating, a community leader and mother of 10 children. And Helen Milligan is the physical therapist in the Trisomy 21 Clinic at Children's Hospital Philadelphia. So let's begin. Dr. Mary Stevens, a clinical associate professor of family medicine at Thomas Jefferson University Hospital is the medical director of the Jefferson Continuing Care Program. She'll explain how this program includes care from the departments of physical medicine and rehabilitation combined with family medicine. Welcome, Mary. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Marianne. I'm happy to be here. Well, thank you. Mary, if you would, I love the way you explained and remind people that each child or adult with Down syndrome is a person first. Right. So uh, in any lecture I give at the medical school or in the community, I really talk about um, the person first language, uh, putting the person in focus. When I was talking to medical students about this earlier today, you know, the students just pointed out it's being patient centered. So um, everybody with Down syndrome is different just like we're all different. So don't uh, lump them together, if you will, because they happen to have that extra copy of their 21st chromosome. And as you say, Mary, each person is an individual, each person is unique. 
And I think we're making progress, starting with Eunice Shriver with the Special Olympics. Look how far we've come. It was her grandson who, in college in 2009, started the, the beautiful campaign, Spread the Word to End the Word. Don't use the word retarded because it's not respectful and it leads to exclusion instead of our whole process of inclusion. And we'll talk more about that later. But um, Mary, along with the uniqueness of each person, your program at Jefferson Continuing Care is unique as well. Tell us about that. Sure. So our program launched two years ago. Um, it's called the Jefferson Continuing Care Program, which we call JCCP for short. Um, it's a practice embedded with a primary care practice with a special focus on caring for teens and adults with complex childhood onset conditions, um, including intellectual and developmental disabilities. We know that it's a critical time period when uh, kids launch into the adult world. And in the past, many individuals with complex childhood onset conditions have had a hard time finding the same level of care. Um, and that's what our focus is. Um, sure, and I think people need to understand that uh, children with Down syndrome in particular do have a developmental delay, but they also have many physical conditions that you have to address with physical therapy, occupational therapy, and we'll talk about those in a minute. But I think what's beautiful is that you are also major advocates for inclusion, both in educational and social environments, in the schoolyard, in the classroom, uh, in the workplace, yes? Absolutely. You know, we really wanna put the focus on our patients and their needs, but uh, none of us can do it alone. And so family and caregiver support are a critical part of our program. Sure. And we talk a lot about trajectory uh, and great expectations. Mm -hmm. And how did you come to focus on caring for patients with intellectual and developmental disabilities? So when our little girl Callie was born uh, in 2011, uh, we were surprised in the uh, delivery room to find out she likely had Down syndrome. Um, we took a step back, got to meet with a wonderful geneticist who reminded us from that moment on, we needed to think about Cali and great joy and expectations. Um, and that's been our guide, uh, but we quickly learned all the risks an individual with Down syndrome may have to face medically um, and really had to be part of her care team. Sure. And and I know your first several months alone were such a wake-up call. And you're a physician. Imagine somebody who doesn't have any medical background because you told me that Callie had croup. She would aspirate. Um, she had RSV, which for moms out there, they know what that is, respiratory syncytial virus, which can be really dramatic in a little baby. And so you had to coordinate with all these physician specialists. And tell us about that. So we... Um you know, had to really find the right care team who would look at Callie um, and her risks, but also her baseline, really problem solve with us, really take her uh, seriously. And when we found the right team and got the right diagnoses, she flourished. Mm -hmm. um, but we also, while we were doing that, had to learn how to navigate early intervention and work in her physical therapy and occupational therapy and speech um, 
therapy services. We got involved with groups in the community uh, who really helped teach us how to be both Callie's parents uh, and her advocates. And it's through that work that they encouraged me to start a Down syndrome consultation program because they felt I had something to offer in the medical world. It's just fantastic. I mean, the paperwork alone you told me about for secondary Medicaid. So as you learned a little bit more what to expect, what other issues did you face? I know you mentioned delay in walking. Sure. So Callie didn't walk till about a month before um, her third birthday, despite twice a week physical therapy from the time she was a couple weeks old. her illnesses between six and 12 months of life really put her back. She'd been on a ton of steroids um, and we had to fight back. We had to look into things like orthotics to support her ankles. Um, At the same time as she's just learning to walk, uh, we had to transition her into a preschool program. Um, And again, started early working on her individual goals. Sure. And then other surprises that come along. It's not unusual that we see an increased risk of celiac disease or celiac diagnosis in young people and adults with Down syndrome. Callie has that, and you made it happy. You gave her 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 own toaster under the Christmas tree um, so she'd have separate gluten-free toast, and and you made it happy for her. And now we're going to talk about some of the more common issues that Down syndrome children and adults face. As you mentioned, a little bit delay in walking because they have decreased tone in their muscles. It's harder to walk with fine and gross motor skills. It's harder for a baby to latch on from nursing to clear a cough. All those things that we'll talk about in just a minute. Let's take a break and we'll be right back with Dr. Mary Stevens from Jefferson. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Mary Ann Ritchie, exclusively presented by Independence Blue Cross. If you have a question for the medical mailbag, just send a note to doctor at yourradiodoctor.net. And we're here with Dr. Mary Stevens from the Jefferson Continuing Care Program. Mary, Your beautiful little girl has Down syndrome, and we're going to talk about her favorite thing outside of school. What is that to do? Oh, um, Callie loves to color. Um, She loves music. She loves to dance. And she is a skee-ball fiend. (laughs) And I'm so proud of you as my Jefferson colleague. Recently, you and some of our other colleagues Dr. John Gleason, Dr. Wendy Ross, who has done great work with autism and uh, patients on the spectrum, you all published an article in the New England Journal of Medicine Catalyst on March 5. How exciting. Congrats. Tell us about that. So thanks, Marian. It it was sobering. Um, So this was a cross-sectional study. So it looked at the experiences of over 60 million patients across 500 healthcare organizations. And what we demonstrated or what the data demonstrated was that having an intellectual disability was the strongest independent risk factor other than age for both being diagnosed with COVID-19 and dying from COVID-19. We had some earlier information that Down syndrome definitely put people at risk, and there's many reasons, including changes in the immune system uh, in individuals with DS, but this work really demonstrated that this was a risk across the continuum of those with intellectual disability. And so we need to 
prioritize and people who do have Down syndrome and their caregivers and their family members should be up front in line for that um, COVID vaccine, yes? So absolutely, and uh, we have to be thoughtful about how we do it. Uh, we need to make sure vaccine sites are acceptable, uh, I'm sorry, accessible, uh, and truly acceptable for the individuals we care with Down syndrome and intellectual disabilities. Some of our folks need a little bit more encouragement to get the vaccine don't do well in highly stimulating environments. And if they're unable to wear a mask or a shield mm -hmm. due to sensory differences uh, or their inability to understand the importance, we really need to accommodate that and meet them where they're safe um, to get it done. Exactly. And that's critical. Your, such great insight. Your recurrent theme, meet the person where he or she is. Try to anticipate is it a lack of uh, awareness? Is it lack of access or even just fear if, if the uh, patient doesn't exactly understand or if they have some fear of uh, shots? Um, and why do you think that patients with intellectual disabilities are at increased risk? So it's not clear. Um, in some conditions, uh, there are changes in the immune system that put them at increased risk. They may have some challenges around mask wearing and hygiene. I really worry about my patient's ability to express discomfort or early symptoms. Um, we know from some of this data that patients with intellectual disability often presented later in the course of their illness. And we don't know if it's because they couldn't communicate their symptoms or if their loved ones were concerned about bringing them to a healthcare facility where they may not be able to be with them and, and sort of be that communication bridge. Good point. So many good points to consider. And we had started earlier talking about some of the more common physical ailments that Down syndrome children and adults face. And we talked about decreased muscle tone. It makes it harder to cough. Um, looser ligaments or weaker ligaments lead to arthritis at an earlier age, maybe in the hips and knees and dislocations. And as you mentioned, Callie, it took her a little bit longer to learn how to walk. And we should say too, the increased risk for COVID comes with people that have um, uh, obesity or um, cardiac abnormalities, and they're more common in Down syndrome uh, patients as well. Tell us a little bit about those cardiac and GI issues, if you would. Sure. So about 40 to 50 percent of kids with Down syndrome are born with congenital heart disease. Sometimes it's as simple as a little hole in the heart that may close on its own within the first couple years of life. Uh, but there can be some serious cardiac uh, abnormalities that need surgical intervention and require lifelong monitoring or care. Uh, overweight and obesity is very common in people with Down syndrome, and we know that that is a risk factor um, for COVID. Uh, like with Cali, there's an increased risk of celiac, which may increase the risk of a poor immune response. Mm -hmm. And I guess celiac, sometimes you don't absorb all the nutrients you need, vitamins and minerals that increase your risk. And we also see an increase in diabetes, thyroid disease, all those um, uh, 
conditions that prime people for uh, even more severe COVID. And then uh, Down syndrome patients sometimes have cataracts uh, at a younger age or they're nearsighted. And we talked about the pulmonary risk. So that's why vaccination, especially, didn't you tell me the Pneumovax beginning at age 19, which is certainly younger than the average or typical person, right? Correct. So um, many of us who work in larger Down syndrome programs have looked at the data and talked about our patient experiences. And we really look at Down syndrome as an increased risk for pneumonia. We know it's the leading cause of death. So we advocate early Pneumovax. We also always talk about sleep apnea in our patients with Down syndrome. 70% of adults with DS have sleep apnea, and certainly if they're to get a respiratory respiratory illness on top of it, it can be extremely serious. Sure. So we promote staying healthy um, and trying to stay ahead of these issues and certainly helping folks get care and get vaccinated. Well, Mary, you are a beacon of light and hope, and the care you provide as a mother first and a doctor combined, you really have the empathy and the sympathy and you're using your energy and talent to help so many people. If somebody wanted to reach you, 1-800-JEFF-NOW would get them an appointment with you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mary. We really appreciate it. Give Callie a hug and a kiss from Aunt Mimi. Today's edition of Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented exclusively by Independence Blue Cross, can be enjoyed on Radio.com. Listen to the show at your convenience. Go to Radio.com and in the search bar type in Your Radio Doctor. It's health education on demand. And we're back. And welcome Katie Keating, a nurse, a leader in her Catholic community, an accomplished field hockey coach, and a great supporter for those who experience homelessness and a tireless advocate for those with intellectual disabilities. But her most important role is mother of 10 children, the youngest of whom has Down syndrome. Welcome, Katie. What a treat to have you here today. Oh, Marianne, what a treat to be with you and your audience and speak about one of my favorite subjects and persons. Aw. Well, Katie, you and your dear husband, Pierce, are admired by everyone in the community for your beautiful family. Your children are smart, athletic, musical, and you make it look effortless. You must never go to bed. Uh, you're sweet. Um, well, you know, nothing's effortless and um, nothing's done alone. So we get a lot of support from a lot of beautiful people in our community. And I think, you know, our beautiful Catholic faith that you and I share and my husband and I share has been such an anchor in this journey of parenting. And it's just really, it's just a combined effort and a real adventure, as most things within a family are. Well, we go back to 2003. You yes. had nine children, ages four through 19. You were close to 44, if I can share your age there, even though um, you look like you're about 24 still. Again, um, I'm glad. I'm glad we're on radio for that one. Yeah. Now. Thank you. Well, that was a time on June 26th, you brought home your 10th child. What went through your mind when the doctor told you and Pierce that your baby had Down syndrome? Um, well, to be honest, I was probably in a very unique position because I think when you're four months shy of 44, and this is your 10th child, 
you're really not expecting everything to go right. And I, I, I'm not a pessimist. You know that, Marianne. Hardly. Um, no. So, but I just, and it wasn't because we had prenatal testing or anything like that. I just kind of had a hunch, call it Holy Spirit, call it Mother's Intuition, likely a combination of both. Um, but it was a little bit of a more difficult pregnancy. I was tired. Um, who wouldn't be? I mean, just running around after nine children and trying to get everybody to the respective places. And um, so when he was born, actually, it was I that said, you know, everyone's cheering in the delivery room. He's an eight pound, what looks like completely yeah. healthy baby, full term. And I actually said, he's fine. He's fine. I was in dismay. I was like, that's awesome. And I said, and it just came out. It, I, it does, I hope this doesn't sound disrespectful. But I said, he doesn't look like he has downs or anything like that. And there was like a little quiet that came over the room. And, you know, the beautiful thing is I share this journey with my beautiful partner and husband and we just looked at each other and he looked at me and they whisked the baby away and they did the normal things you do for car and testing and that kind of thing really quickly i mean this is all preliminary and we kind of did this thumbs up and then the great the gift the graced thing was there wasn't a thumbs down so we did thumbs up and then it was kind of like our hands just went out when you're like it could go either way. And then we just kind of put our palms out together and he just nodded and we knew. So we never really got the diagnosis from the doctor. In fact, you know, they do all the testing with the blood work and everything. And it wasn't until like three days or four days later, there was this serious, the diagnosis being confirmed. And we thought there was an additional diagnosis. We were like, oh no, what? And we almost, we didn't laugh, but we said, oh gosh, we know, we know that. That's, it, you know, so there was a great acceptance that I think only comes from being a seasoned mom. So my heart goes out if this is, you know, there's a listener out there and this is your first pregnancy or second or third and you're younger and with less risk factors. I'm sure it's much more frightening. Um, but I also, I want to add, and I don't mean to continue too far, but, um, I've had that pleasure, too, to talk to some young moms, both prenatally and those who had just had a baby in their early 30s, where this was, you know, just came out of nowhere for them mm -hmm. and um, reassure them for one and, you know, cry a little with them for two, because it's a different destination than they had planned, but also to assure them that they are really a up to the task. Don't be afraid to um they're just going to be so overwhelmed with love for this child they don't know they won't know what hit them and and so there are all the kinds of things i mean and all those feelings they just grow but um i think there's in society there's an overwhelming fear but as you as you apparent it marianne and i you know our children are far from perfect all of them and they all come with different gifts and they all come to it with different challenges. And we were so in that place that we know, you know, man plans, God laughs, you know. So you do the best you can and you get the rest of God. <laughs> well, you say it so beautifully, Katie. And we've talked to uh, Dr. Mary Stevens about the various possible physical ailments that uh, a child or an adult can have with Down syndrome. Luke, you weren't maybe prepared to see that he'd have pneumonia four times in that first year. And I remember I was especially moved by the story that 
you're a nurse you've had nine other children and you were out it was he was born june 26 and it's late august early september you're out shopping buying school supplies and luke came with he's in the back of the van mm -hmm. <laughs> helping to pick out the new crayons and all and he was maybe three months old and you saw one of the nurses who had been with you when luke was born what did she say Yes, and that's a profound moment because, you know, I recognized her and, oh, it's so good to see you. And Luke was in the stroller and she said, oh my, she was surprised. She said, oh, he's doing so well. And I was surprised at that comment because I was kind of like, of course he is. Um, but she said, I honestly thought he was going to be a failure to thrive child. Mm. And that was like a punch in the stomach. Uh, I just never, ever considered that I, I and I don't know where and if she's listening I'm sure you didn't mean anything uh, but it, I just I just never considered that but I guess she saw signs and again all my training I guess mama bear took over because I didn't see those signs um so yes the children with down do have a multitude of health challenges especially that first year mm -hmm. and so for moms and dads out there i would say yeah that first year is challenging um yes but, but you addressed it and you we you sought help yeah yes. and okay the little um their little muscles aren't as strong so if they can't latch on to nurse we try the bottle and away we go and and you did that and the help is out there i think that's the message people hear yes. from you that really lightens their their worries how do your other children relate to Luke? I'm, I, I'm oh sure my. it's the Brady Bunch. It's just, <laughs> the, well, um, one described him as an exclamation point at the end of a very long sentence, and he certainly <laughs> is. Um, they, I mean, it's a, it is just a mutual admiration society. Um, another parent with, Down, uh, with a child who has Down syndrome shared with me early on, you wait, when your kids are feeling a little down, the one they're going to gravitate towards will be Luke. And that has rung true more than anything. I know when I need to ch channel into my older children, when they call home or text and say, Mom, is Luke around? I can't, get, I, I can't find him. He's not answering his text. And that tunes me in that they need a little bit of extra TLC. Mm -hmm. So um, there's an antenna. I mean, they uh, just adore them. And I'm going to tell you right now, if anybody out there needs a party starter for a wedding, um, <laughs> family weddings, family birthday parties, all that is more fun uh, with a guy like Luke. And I, I can honestly say that from the bottom of my heart. He's on the up on the stage with the live band, doing the moves, doing cartwheels on the dance floor. Um, so the events are certainly more fun. And they really have been more than accepting and loving and you know, I mean, does he drive him crazy sometimes like any little brother? Absolutely. That's his job. As, that's He's his the job. baby. Absolutely. I'm the baby. I, I don't want to paint it all. It's like, but um, there is an overall beautiful mutual love affair going on between all of them. Yeah. And um, the big message once again is inclusion. Yes. Uh, you know, people with Down syndrome might reach their milestones a little bit later, but they get there. And I will never forget filling up with tears the first time I saw your handsome son carry for those listeners uh mass which we have every sunday begins with the priest coming up the aisle carrying the the sacred word in the the liturgy book mm -hmm. and he's led by the cross bearer and mm -hmm. when i saw luke carrying the cross i think every eye in the church 
filled with tears. Just beautiful that he represented that sacred honor to carry the cross and, and open the mass. And I know too, you've helped so many people with navigating through school decisions. Um, and when, in our final couple minutes, I wanted to ask what advice you'd give other parents for children and where is Luke now? Luke right now is a junior at Lower Marion High School. Shout out, shout out. They've been wonderful. He has an IEP, an individual educational pro, uh, program that's tailored specifically for his strengths and for his weaknesses. We work with a team of educators and they're fabulous. Um, I'm going to say the three A's, advocate, appreciate, and accept. You are your child's best advocate. You know that. You know your child better than anyone else, and you are there to fight for him and to advocate for him. Also, though, appreciate. People in special ed are there because they're beautiful people. Let's just say it. And they're there to help you. So be filled with gratitude. Work with them, and then also accept. They will learn differently than other typical students, but that's okay. So let's accept you know, the things that they can do and can't do and celebrate those milestones, as you say, Marianne, um, and work the best with them. I mean, we as parents have two important jobs. One is to maximize our child's potential and the other is to get them to heaven. So, or at least try, right? We do our best, but the hard part well, for me is kind of out there because he's on his way, as you said, with his role and his faith. Um, and the next part, like, just like any other child, you just want to really support them and advocate for them and um, and work with the educators and professionals out there. Well, and thanks to your dear parents, you are number seven of eight children, so you're used to learning how to share. And, and it's also a lesson in independence. I think um, children from big families learn how to um, be a little bit more independent, wouldn't you say? And if we were to ask Luke, I, I would love to hear, we have about a minute left. If we were to ask Luke, what would he say has been his proudest moment? It's hard to say because his, his answer to that is all, everything. And that, you know, Luke, how was your day? All, everything. Real quick, just started Unified Track with his teammates this week, this today. And I was listening as they were doing their icebreakers, new teams forming. And it's just a blast. They're so accepting. He's so proud to be part of Lower Marion community. He's so proud of his family. So proud of his church community and family and um he's so proud to be a 17 year old and like if i walk in on a zoom on him oh really mom are you kidding me like any other 17 year old like any other 17 or so it's all everything marianne i wish i could give you one answer but life well, is Katie, good with luke i can hear you smiling through the phone you have a lot to smile about you have a lot to be proud of we are so proud of you i'm very proud that i know you and thank oh. you for being here today. God bless. Thank you. What a great thank opportunity. I thank well, you so much. Thank you for being a light in the community, too. Oh, well, you too, Marianne. Right back at you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Your Radio Doctor with Dr. Marianne Ritchie, presented in part by Recovery Centers of America. When needed, call RCA 1-888-RECOVERY. And we're back with Helen Milligan, the head of physical therapy for the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia Trisomy 21 Clinic. Helen, it's so great to have you here today because people want to know how did you become the original physical therapist for this special clinic at CHOP? Oh, hi, uh, Marianne. Yes, when um, Aiden was born back in 2002, November 2002, I was working at CHOP as a physical therapist 
And after he was born, there actually was not a trisomy 21 clinic. And once I found out one was being started at CHOP, I contacted the chair of our um, clinic, Dr. Mary Pippin, and asked her if I could be the physical therapist. And I've been a therapist ever since then, since 20, um, 2003, and the clinic has really taken off and grown. So it's been um, an honor to be a part of such a, a developing clinic and to see um, the growth in the clinic and the and the, all the kids growing up over the years and being able to follow them. Um, yeah, so that's been, it's been, yeah, long term, it's it's beautiful, and I know you have a very special bond with Dr. Mary Pippin. You've told me beautiful things about her work and and her devotion. And we should add for our listeners that, like the other mothers I interviewed today, you too are the mother of a beautiful young son who's now eighteen. Mm -hmm. He's a big mm -hmm. boy, and uh, he too has Down syndrome. Tell us, I know the very uh, the very beginning, um, there were some serious challenges. Poor Aiden had surgery, and poor you, worrying, had surgery that very first day. Sometimes children with Down syndrome have a connection between their airway or the trachea and their esophagus or the food tube. So they go to sip on, you know, they go to drink milk, and it goes into their air, their lungs. So that led to surgery that first day. Mm -hmm. What was going through your mind? Yeah, well, the day Aiden was born, it was a shock. There were a few shocks that day. Um, and one was that he was going to need surgery that day. Um, he was delivered at Penn, right next door to CHOP. And um, within hours of him being delivered, he went over to CHOP and Dr. Holly Hedrick um, did a primary repair of those, it's called a tracheoesophageal fistula. Um, and then he was in the NICU for a while and on a ventilator and had some pulmonary oh. issues and some other medical challenges in the beginning of his life. So, you know, he had a rough beginning, a rough start. He had, we were following maybe eight different doctors and it just felt like we were constantly going to the doctor or getting early intervention and, um, you know, but that all gave him a nice strong start in life and helped him, you know, become the person he is today. So I'm just grateful we had those resources right here at CHOP, right in Philadelphia. And I was... And I wish, yeah, I wish we could hear about the years in between, but tell us where Aiden is now. I know he's stellar <laughs> at school and with sports. Tell us about that. Well, Aiden is now a senior at Haverford High School and about to, very excited, about to graduate. Um, and he's had a full, you know, high school experience at Haverford. They've been wonderful, including him in the regular curriculum, providing him with co-teachers, co-taught co classes. Um and he's also been involved on the swim team. Um, the coach, Matt Stewart, has been amazing, including him in this, all the swim meets. He goes to the swim practices, loves all the everything that has to do with swimming, this team dinners. He's also in the band. He plays the drums in the band. He um, previously oh played... Um, the trombone in, in his younger in his earlier years but he was in the drum wow. core in the band and then he was in all the shows at haverford that they had he's also a member of the um best buddies club and he just loves being a part of everything he's been in, included and um i think he's really going to miss being a part of high school when he graduates but he's we just found out they're having a senior prom so he's looking forward to that and that's coming up the next couple months and then um oh. When he graduates, he's planning to attend the technical program through Delaware County IU, and um, he really wants to become a chef, and he's going to study, I think, culinary arts. So, 
Well, a couple of things that you told me when we were chatting the other day, that every step of the way, he's earned the seat, uh, or not the seat, he's earned his spot on the swim team because you had your other children in a summer league. And when he was a little boy, he started swimming and he enjoyed it. And the, the coach at the summer league said, hey, put him in the pool. And he did a lap in 39 seconds. And I said, guess what? He earned his spot on the team, which led to swimming in high school and the Special Olympics. And his friends would go to Freddy's in Broomall, the hamburger mm -hmm. restaurant. And now he's a cook at the grill once a week. It's awesome. Now, you're an experienced physical therapist and you're a volleyball coach of Special Olympics. What's your philosophy that you love to share? Well, I like to equate like having a child with special needs and um, and a child with Down syndrome is like being the head volleyball. I'm a volleyball coach, so like being the head coach where you are um, directing all different people that are helping and supporting Aiden. And you're the one person that does know, I know Aiden the best and I want Aiden to reach his full potential. So you're kind of in there directing everybody, but realizing you are the primary person that um, does know your child the best, as well as his siblings. The siblings are right there with him as well. And that's the key. Each of your children has different gifts and different mm -hmm. challenges, and you want each to reach their full potential. So you've played a big role in Special Olympics the Buddy Walk, I want to mention that quickly at Villanova every year. The Buddy mm -hmm. Walk for CHOP raises money for that awesome Trisomy mm -hmm. 21 clinic. And and you're also in the Down Syndrome Medical Information mm -hmm. Group. We have about 30 seconds left. Tell us about that, if you would. Right. So the Buddy Walk at CHOP is our number one fundraiser for our Trisomy 21 clinic. And that, too, has grown into more of like a community event where... Our clinic services people in Delaware, in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York. Um, and so everybody comes together to support that program. And it's just so wonderful to see everybody and their families. And um, it's really a celebration every year. And then the Down Syndrome Medical Interest Group, we are in the process of forming a therapist um, work group in that group. And that's a group of professionals all across the country who um, work with in either the Down Syndrome clinics or specifically with people with Down Syndrome. And we all come together and have a conference every year to make sure we're using best practice and to support people with Down Syndrome. It's fantastic. And I want to add here that your son, Aiden, and we just heard about Luke Keating, our oh, best yeah. buddies, which is just awesome. Two fantastic mothers with two beautiful sons. I want to thank you, Helen, because the information that you share and the the care that you provide, hundred. how many people are in the clinic? Then isn't it over 1,200 oh, now in the Trisomy 21 We clinic? have over 2,000 well, families now that we follow. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. It's, it's incredible. Well, thank you for being with us today. We learned a lot from you, and I and you bring hope and joy to other people who also have children or family members with Down syndrome. Thank you. Oh, Helen. sure. Thank you, Dr. Ritchie. For your real champion, I call this segment All God's Children. Each week, your real champion is a person who faces adversity with grace or does great work in the community. This week, six champions, three outstanding mothers and their three beautiful children. When a happy couple learns they're expecting, they don't share the news by saying, we're having a fetus. 
Or at a reveal party, couples tell the world, it's a boy or it's a girl. Yes, from the moment that child is a thought in their minds, the seed of unconditional love is planted. So when Callie, Luke, and Aiden were born, all of their mothers, Mary, Katie, and Helen, responded the same way. Each mother embraced her sweet baby, the beautiful new family member who happened to have Down syndrome. And just as they do with their other children who don't have Down syndrome, each mother shares in the celebration of her child's accomplishments and the strain of their challenges. Mary Stevens, the mother, was frustrated by the time and energy it took to find the right team of doctors and therapists. So Mary Stevens, the doctor, started her own clinic. Her little Callie is the joy of the community. And when Dr. Mary gave a Zoom lecture to the entire Department of Family Medicine, Callie hopped on to say, good morning, work hard, stay safe, and peace out. And when she recently had a test involving sedation, she had the entire medical staff laughing when she said, don't inject that poison in me. Katie Keating could fill an entire show herself. A joy-filled mother of nine children, ages four through 19, imagine that breakfast table on a school day, four different preschools, grade schools, high schools. This was the Brady Bunch Palooza. Endless forms for school snacks, carpools, SAT, college applications, add schedules for field hockey, basketball, soccer. But when Katie and Pierce brought their 10th baby home, the boys were thrilled to add a new player to their roster. Now there were three boys and seven girls. They look at Luke the same way as their other children. Each one has different gifts and they celebrate and cultivate those gifts. Luke will soon turn 18 and has high hopes of moving on to a program in one of the local colleges that's creating a curriculum for students with Down syndrome. In Latin, the name Luke means child born at dawn or giving light, and he is their family barometer. Katie knows one of her other children has a worry. They call Luke because he's the brother who listens and loves. Helen Milligan was a physical therapist for traumatic brain injury. Just after Aiden was born, CHOP opened their Trisomy 21 clinic. For 18 years, she's led the charge for the much-needed physical therapy for Down syndrome patients, ongoing through adulthood. She's also a volleyball coach for Special Olympics and a member of the Down Syndrome Medical Info Group. And Aiden, a high school senior on the swim team. And the coach includes him like any other student because he earned the spot. He also swims for Special Olympics, and one night a week, he's the cook at the grill of Freddy's Hamburger Restaurant. In 2011, a Harvard-trained physician, Dr. Brian Scottko, published a survey that revealed people with Down syndrome have a very high level of satisfaction in life and are generally very happy people, as are their family members. So not only are people with Down syndrome happy, they share a great deal of happiness with family and friends. We salute you, Mary and Callie Stevens, Katie and Luke Keating, Helen and Aidan Milligan, your real champions. Hearing your stories reminds us that life is a gift. We're enlightened and inspired by these families who celebrate the joy and pride of inclusion of all God's children. Get involved or donate. SpecialOlympics.org, NDSS.org, the National Down Syndrome Society for the Buddy Walk. Listen to all our shows on YourRadioDoctor.net. Hang some blue lights on your home or business for colon cancer awareness. Send pictures to info at bluelightscampaign.com. This week on Wednesday, St. Patrick's Day, when everybody's Irish, my adorable father had a favorite Irish blessing. In the immortal words of Sir Francis Joseph Ritchie, wishing you air in your bra. Stay with us for Francis Albert Sinatra, and always remember that your health is your wealth. Thanks for listening to your radio doctor, Dr. Marianne Ritchie, a Jacob Media production. 
If you're interested in learning more about the power of the radio hour, contact Joe Krause at 267-261-3428. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Today's program has been pre-recorded.